feels like people are really going crazy on the planet right now. And we know that lots of people have left the planet through the pandemic. And where did they go? And what's going on vibrationally with Earth? And why is there all this AI technology now? And what's the significance of that? And how do we even realize ourselves as human beings on this Earth? And what about going to other planets? Is that even okay? Well, this is part of the discussion we have on this podcast today with Dave the Mystic, who is an energy medicine practitioner, healer, intuitive. He's the host of the Dave the Mystic podcast, and he's been doing this stuff for over 40 years. And yes, he's even a rocket scientist. So join us for this amazing, fascinating, thought-perplexing conversation. Well, hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and we share our stories of connection to that which is bigger than us, to the great mystery beyond the veil, to those synchronistic moments that lead us inexorably to a deeper understanding of self and this vast universe that exists all around us and inside of us too. It's amazing. I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird, and what's on my heart today is... Can you even keep up with it all? I don't know if you noticed, but things are speeding up. And there's a lot of light coming into the planet, like just tons of light and energy. I personally am responding very well to it because I finally feel like I have momentum and I have like the air underneath my wings. And I also know that some other people are not responding as well to it. It feels like too much or overwhelming or out of control or it's disorienting. And wherever you land on that is probably something to do with the vibrational shifts that have been happening on the planet and your alignment with that vibrational shift that the planet is undergoing. And so we're going to talk about this today, actually, with the perfect guest for this, Dave the Mystic. Welcome, Dave. Well, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. So some of you may have seen, I was interviewed on Dave's podcast years and years and years ago. And then also recently, I'll put the link to that in the show notes as well. We had a great conversation over there on Dave the Mystic podcast. Dave is, his actual name is Dave Barnett. He's an energy medicine practitioner, healer, and intuitive with over 40 years of experience from the state of Colorado. And he's got multiple technical degrees. He's a rocket scientist. In other words, he's probably a nerd. I don't know, is nerd the right word? but He's kind of nerdy and he's got that, you know, that sort of nerdy way of understanding all this kind of stuff, which is really useful for those of us who are into that. And he's got lots of turning points in his life. So lots and lots of things that led him to discover about healing and to really learn all these different modalities. Like so many of you discovered healing and reading Akashic Records and healing and clearing entities and changing core beliefs and burning karmas and discovering your spiritual gifts and so many things, right, that we've all been also realizing in our own ways. And so Dave's here, he's going to talk, having a conversation with us about these vibrational shifts that have been going on the planet. Dave, did you want to say a little bit about yourself before we dive into the topic for today? Anything you want to share with the audience about you and how you started realizing these things from your rocket scientist brain self? Um, Sure. Just a, a quick little background. 
So I, I grew up and I was open to psychic stuff. My mom discovered astrology when I was in junior high and I became her guinea pig. My brothers, uh, older brothers, thought it was just great fun to tease her about it, but I, I went along. But the turning point for me was, so I had a successful career. I was working at Martin Marietta doing uh, electrical engineering and working on rockets and satellites. And in 1983, I returned back to Wichita, where I grew up for my 10th high school reunion. I ran into an old friend, and he asked if I'd become an electrical engineer like I uh, expected to. And I said, sure. And he said, um, do you think it's possible to change things with your mind? And I said, what do you mean? You know, change things at a distance. I, well, come on, what is it? Well, he wouldn't come out with it. He, he asked me to come over to his house after the picnic, and uh, he'd show me stuff. Well, we got to his uh, door and got out of the car. He walked up to the house, and he walked me up to the electric meter, and he said, do you see how the, the pace of the wheel, how fast it's turning? I said, yeah. And for those of you out there, the wheel turns, the speed is proportional to how much energy you're using at the moment. And he points at it, and he says, now, and it's slowed by a third. And he said, I did this to my mother's house several months ago, and her bills are still lower. Well, that started to get my attention. We went inside. He had a little black and white TV on rabbit ears. And he put it on a, just a snow channel, no no uh, received channel. And he points at the TV and says, now, and he tunes in a station. We ended up going back out to his car, and he set it, started it and left it in idling with his hands and feet off the controls. And he points to it and uh, sort of the engine, he goes, now, and the, the car started stalling. And he said, I can stall other cars in traffic, I have. And it's like, wow, okay. Wouldn't we all love to have that gift? Uh, it'd be really handy. And we went down to his radio station. He was a disc jockey. This is a, a big FM station in Wichita, 50,000-watt transmitter. And we went into the back room where they have all the meters for the status of the transmitter. And there was one that was digital, and it was reading 99.6. And he said, that indicates the percentage of the 50,000 watts that's going out the antenna right now. Okay. And he said, do you see how it's stable and solid? I said, yeah. And he goes, now, and he points towards it and he drops it from 99.6 to 99.2. Uh, four tenths of a percent of 50,000 watts plus the overhead behind it to get that 50,000 watts out, to, out of the antenna. It happened every time that we, we did demos over the years and we came up with ideas where he would do something in Wichita to affect things here in Denver. Every time he attempted something, he got an effect. And I can't say that in all the reading, you know, I've read over 800 books in metaphysics. I haven't found anybody else who has been able to do what he does uh, in terms of instantaneous, always gets results. It's not, well, one time out of five, something happens, or it may be a big effect or a little effect. No, it's a big effect every time he attempts it. And um, that forced me to come back to, to Denver and reevaluate what my view of reality was. And um, I've been getting a little bit disenchanted with the uh, capability of engineering to explain what really happens in the universe. We use equations that are good models, but they don't explain what's really happening. So I got involved in uh, oh, pursuing uh, psychic development. Uh, I got involved in uh, therapeutic touch energy healing as a starting place. I also got involved with a group that uh, called themselves the Tibetan Foundation, and uh, they were channeling ascended masters, and uh, I learned how to channel uh, with them. And so, you know, starting back in 1983, I just started on this path, and you know, year by year, I learned other skills. I developed some clients uh, to do healing work with, 
And uh, then in 2003 to 2007, I was between engineering jobs. I had uh, won some contracts with the Air Force for R&D. And uh, a voice in my head said, you have all the money you need, all the time you need. Go learn everything you can about healing. And I spent the next four years in that time period learning about eight or nine different uh, healing modalities. Uh, I took two years of psychic development with a medium in Denver. And uh, I even went to acupuncture school for a little while, but that wasn't for me. And a whole lot of gifts started coming through. And then things have just progressed uh, up to this point. And I, I've always felt like I kept a foot in both worlds, one in uh, the, the practical, you know, 3D uh, technical world, uh, the engineering world, and one foot, you know, where it was, uh, I was in other dimensions. And uh, some of my psychic friends would even call me, uh, gee, Dave, you're like Clark Kent and Superman. So they, they had a good <laughs> laugh on that. That's funny. <laughs> you know? And uh, in 2019, I pretty much separated fully from aerospace and uh, fully embraced this. And so I, I could come out of the closet and be open with people about, I have a career as an aerospace engineer and I finished that and I'm doing this and I do it because it works. I always tell people I'm practical. If this didn't work, I wouldn't beat my head against a wall for 40 years, hoping that someday it might show something. I said, I, I get enough results out of all the, the strange and curious things I do that I continue with it and I continue to enhance it. So that's kind of my background. You know, every time I hear you talk about your background, it gets so excited about my younger son because right now, because he's in mechanical engineering in college, uh -huh. and I told you about him before. And um, I love this because he's so does not believe any of the stuff I do. He thinks it's so woo-woo and so false. <laughs> and so I love when I hear your story because I'm like, there's hope, there's hope. He'll find his way to it eventually. It'll be through some other back door and it'll be like one day we'll be sitting around the kitchen table. I'll be like, remember those times you told me I was full of it? <laughs> and now you know different. So I'm just so excited for those conversations in the future. But anyway, so thank you for being that inspiration for me that science and woo sure, do mix. Sure. They mix inside of one person too. <laughs> yeah, if, if you want to get him a book just to tease him, get him a book called The Field by Lynn McTaggart. And uh, she interviewed a bunch of quantum mechanics people. And she said, do you believe in God? And they said, oh, no, no, of course not. And she said, do you think that there's an organizing consciousness in the background with the energy field that creates our reality? And they said, oh, absolutely, yes. <laughs> Just the it word. Has, it's a language. It has a variety of experiments in there that look exactly like something ESP is yielding results. It is not coming out of traditional physics. And so it's a good eye-opener for techno geeks who poo-poo the, the ESP or the energy world or always say, well, there's got to be you know, uh, something behind the curtain here that you know, it's being faked. You know, a magician could do this. And uh, you read that book, The Field, and uh, that type of thing, or, or go through the research done by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, which is refereed and uh, you know, meets the golden standard of randomized controlled studies. You know, somebody did a meta-analysis of all of those studies out of Institute of Noetic Sciences and some others, and uh, they came up with numbers like 10 trillion to one that the results they're getting could be by chance or random occurrence. I mean, it's the evidence is very strong there. There is a metaphysics and above physics, a physics that supersedes our 3D physics that uh, it's just another layer that we can work towards and have to learn how to use. Yeah, and use responsibly. I was thinking about your friend, like, now, it's like, dang, hope this person has good integrity, you know, because whoops, you could be causing, I mean, stall people's engines <laughs> out in traffic and all kinds of mayhem. So 
I'm sure he's a good friend of yours and he has some good integrity, but that's a scary thing too. Yes. <laughs> so don't get some karma on people, everybody. Use your gifts wisely. <laughs> so, you know, I feel like this vibrational shift that we're experiencing, we're in the middle of it, right? I mean, we're, I mean, I call it the second wave. I call it elevating our consciousness to homo luminous. That's kind of like my language, but what do you call mm-hmm. it? What's your perspective on these uh, changes in consciousness and these vibrational shifts that are happening on the planet right now? I certainly think that we're moving out of the age of Pisces and into the age of Aquarius. Whether you're an astrologer or an astronomer, nobody can point to an exact date and time that that happens. It happens over a range of period that's a little bit unknown. And uh, it's always been that way because of uncertainty in the skies and what they use for the markers for for what sign we're, we're in. But we're definitely moving into Aquarius, and uh, that comes with major shifts. A lot of different people have different interpretations of that. I see us as certainly moving upward and having the opportunity to uh, grow rapidly. One of the things that I, I love that comes through some channelings from ETs is they make the statement, you can make more progress on Earth in 10 minutes than you can on our planet in a thousand years. Because they have telepathy, they uh, every uh, innovation there is sort of like it's a done deal, it's settled, because they, they might tell a youngster there, don't bother, we solved that one 500 years ago. You know, why, why look into it again? Whereas here, I guarantee that there's 50 people at least around the planet coming up with a new way to make soft serve ice cream. And who knows what it's going to look like or when it's going to come out with a new patent on a machine. But they don't accept the status quo. So I, my perspective after journeying to so many different regions in the universe and other universes is that Earth is the, about the roughest, toughest place to live. My perspective is that this was never designed to be a paradise or sitting on the beach in Tahiti with little umbrella drinks. There's a very small, select few people who get that opportunity. But in general, people incarnate on Earth because they precisely do want to be challenged. They do want to have this opportunity to come against problems and try to solve them. And sure, they're going to fail in some cases. Uh, a lot of people made mistakes. A lot of people found that they didn't quite have the tools to solve the problem the first time. And uh, it gives you an opportunity to uh, grow through the experience. And uh, that can be in our life chart. So what's happening now is I see an even, even greater intensity of challenges on the planet. People get disturbed about what's going on in Ukraine versus Russia. Could that lead to a nuclear conflict? What's China doing here? What's happening with China and in, in, in Africa? Uh, you know, all these uh, hot spots. And they're just kind of feeling like they're overwhelmed. They're, they're having all this rush up on them. From my point of view is they're getting challenged. They're being twanged enough that they can't hide out in the basement playing video games uh, drinking beer and eating pizza and ignoring the world and letting the world go by. They're going to be forced and dragged, kicking and screaming out of their little hidey holes to come out and confront reality and decide what their moral stance on it is. They're 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 going to be forced to stand up and be counted. And I think this is part of the process to help people grow and uh, move their vibration higher and to be in a better position to sort of go through a self-selection, a self-sorting process to go into higher vibration levels of Earth. So I I see that coming. I feel that a lot of people have already left the planet and gone to higher vibrational levels of Earth. I think we're down a billion people, regardless of what the, the official st- statistics say. I just don't think they've caught up with the fact that we've had a lot of people who've left, who've uh, 
made a transition to a different vibrational level. And uh, I see that there's seven layers of Earth or levels of, of Earth, and we're on number three. And so we have a lot of people going to four, five, six, and seven. I also think that some people who have a very dark view of existence and maybe they're uh, extremely fundamental on uh, their view of religion, uh, they may be going to levels one or two where, okay, if you if you want to have a colorless existence with no joy, no happiness, and everything is by a rule book, and, uh, and in a lot of cases, it's totally patriarchal, you know, if, if you think that's the place you want to be, okay, you, you've got to create your own reality. We're going to send you there. And so I think some of those people have left too. But I, I don't look at the world and say, oh my God, you know, this, I, I can't believe God has turned his back on us and, and let us, I, no, I think God has given us a wonderful opportunity to say, I'm going to go in and stir the pot. I'm going to turn on the blender. Now I want you guys to figure out how you're going to separate what comes to the surface. So it, it's it's up to you to figure out how you're going to move forward. It's up to you to look at how do you make lives better for those people immediately around you and then in a bigger circle, and then in a bigger circle, and then in a bigger circle. How can you be altruistic? How can you uh, help others? How can you get out of your head about, oh, poor me, I, I'm unhappy at work. Okay, screw work. You go to work and make some money just to enable things. Now, what are you going to do after hours on work to make the world a better place? You know, that type of thing. Or when you drive around, how do you make other people feel good? You know, when's the last time you said something really nice to a person at a drive through window? That's a job I wouldn't take, but somebody's got to do it. And if they're going to be there, uh, I'm going to certainly thank them for being there and talk to them and not just treat them as a, a little robotic thing taking an order. I mean, that's uh, I, I'm going to make them feel like they count and they matter. It's, it's just little things like that that you can do in so many places all the way up to the big things. And so I, I think we're definitely being challenged. Uh, and uh, in our own way, we're going to help Gaia, you know, help guy a heal and uh, recover there's probably nothing we can do to the earth that permanently ruins it it just is a matter of how much time it can recover if there's no intervention and uh, if there is intervention uh, maybe we can help it recover very quickly so i see lots of opportunity here for people to really shine i, I don't see it as you know everybody needs to go hide in a fallout bunker and just wait for the end <laughs> Yeah, let's not do that because then that's just more escapism. I mean, I feel like we need to take action, right? Like inspired action. But we need to be listening to each of our own gifts from the inside, which isn't that part of this vibrational shift because up until now on the planet, there's been like a taboo to listen to your inside or like it's like not okay or it's evil or you can't trust what you find there. All these yeah. ideas that keep people in their minds instead of and following rule books on the outside instead of like actually listening to what's going on inside. And then this sort of denial that you're connected to the earth because you're made of earth. So going to another planet system in a human body doesn't really seem like that's such a great idea, considering that you're not part of the network there. Like your body isn't configured to be that, right? I mean, you're you're an earthling. What do you think well, about I all think, that? I mean, people want to escape I, I the planet. <laughs> I, I think we're being groomed to uh, take advantage of opportunities to leave the planet. I, I truly believe in uh, the idea that since the 1940s, we've been reverse engineering alien spacecraft that have crashed or we've obtained them in other ways. And now uh, we do have a secret program that, that has spacecraft that, that can travel through the solar system very easily and very rapidly. So uh, I do think there are colonies of people out there already that 
are sort of test cases to see how it works, what needs to be fixed. And I think the uh, the ETs, the Space Brothers, have the technological tools to adjust uh, gravity, you know, on a local basis. So it's, it's essentially Earth normal. It's not one-sixth Earth normal like on the moon. And um, also to uh, uh, just uh, take care of our, our basic needs. So I think we are being groomed to uh, one of these days we're going to see all this stuff made public and we're going to have the opportunity to uh, hop off the planet and try other places. And I don't think it's going to be a one-way ticket, not one of these things where, okay, you have to, if you sign up, you'll never be back on Earth again. You say goodbye to all your friends. You'll never see them again. And due to limitations, you can't ever communicate. No, I don't think it's going to be that way. I think it's going to be like, well, we'd like you to make a one-year commitment, and then you can come back, you know, depending on what you want to do. And uh, maybe you do want to come back and have, you know, three years off, or maybe come back for a visit and return. Who knows? But. I think we're rapidly approaching some options like that. And I think when when that is, is turned on, that's also going to take a whole lot of population pressure off of the planet in terms of just the sheer quantity of people. But don't you think that's a little bit like just continuing to follow that manifest destiny that's led to the situation we already have on this planet? I mean, expansion without any kind of controls on it or any kind of sensitivity towards sustainability or integration with the environment, integration with other species on the planet. I mean, I think that's like a huge part of the lesson, isn't it, of this is that we haven't been sensitive to the needs of the planet. We haven't been sensitive to the needs of other species on this planet or or the ecosystems, we just sort of like said, well, this is what I want. And then we just did it, you know, instead of like looking at the effect. What's your thought on that? Well, if these other planets were inhabited and we were suddenly found ourselves once again in competition for resources, I'd agree with you. When we go to planets where, okay, we're going to tunnel into the rock, we're going to make a a whole biosphere under there that's habitable and uh, create a a microeconomy and and this type of thing, then, uh, yeah, I think it's ordinary due course. We're not doing anything that the Pleiadians haven't done or the Arcturians or the Andromedans. They've colonized other places. And they got, you know, the Pleiadians had major battles and wars a million years ago, and it was devastating. And they kind of learned their lesson. And so now they're one of the most pacifist groups in general. I'm sure there's some subsets that are, but for overall, they're very pacifist and they, they look at, living in harmony with nature on their planet. And uh, they uh, technologically don't need it, but they enjoy just uh, the, the essential part of being out in nature and and raising crops and harvesting them by hand as a group effort, things like that. That's uh, very much part of their aesthetics. And uh, I, I can see us approaching there too. I, I was talking to a friend today and I said, you know, one of the major things you can look at our planet that's, the problem that we want to leave behind is for about 10,000 years now, we have been in competition for resources and it's been ego-based. Whether it's growing crops or, or cattle or controlling land, uh, you just look at the history and we weren't very efficient at killing other people until we came out with Bronze Age weapons. And then suddenly that was uh, you know, the next plateau in terms of gee, you know, it's it's easier to take over a village growing crops and make them slaves than it is to go grow the crops ourselves. And, um, you know, it's more fun to take over and, and steal their stuff than it is to do it ourselves. And we can see that mentality today in uh, uh, places where we have lawlessness around the world, where it's this view, it's, it's more fun and easier to take over if you can than it is to 
do the work yourself. So I think we still have some of this egotism and self-protection going on that we need to evolve past where, you know, here's a hypothetical question. If if you're in an inner city, say you're downtown Detroit and a whole bunch of stores opened up and one was uh, all vegetables, another one was all meats, another one was all canned goods, and everything was free and unlimited. And uh, you went to another store and there were TVs and stereos and it's free and unlimited. Another store that had furniture is free and unlimited. What purpose would you have anymore for inner city strife or crime? Why steal from somebody else? You just walk into the store and they say, okay, yeah, we'll give it to you. Whatever you need. Just don't, you know, don't waste it. Don't, don't be wasteful. And, and suddenly it, it would like, it would turn the whole society upon its head. And, and that would really demonstrate the idea that so much of our conflict is due to competition for resources. So, yeah, I, I think we're, we're going to head to a point with these uh, elevations in consciousness that we're going to get away from the competition for resources, whether it's food or water or clean air or nice houses, all these types of things. I, I think we're, we're going to move forward into a place where fewer people, more innovations in terms of how we live. And some of those innovations may happen because precisely because we go to other planets where they get creative about how we create living structures and then we bring that creativity back here. So I, I just see a, a whole lot of bright future that's going to come about in some ways that we just didn't expect. Just like nobody, um, you know, when I was starting aerospace in 81 uh, at Martin Marietta and uh, we started hearing whispers of uh, somehow you could send messages to somebody at a remote computer. And uh, then eventually we heard about the internet. And then I saw the, the first mosaic program where it might take, you know, a minute to actually get a website image onto your computer. And then look where we are now with the internet. And nobody expected this. And uh, it keeps evolving in ways and with uh, uses that nobody anticipated. So I, I think we're, we're going to be on something as revolutionary as that in terms of when we, we get these elevations and vibration to, to either move energetically to other layers of uh, the Earth or to have the opportunity to possibly go out to space colonies and, and try that type of life for a while. What do you think is uh, up with the AI stuff? What's your sense of like why we have all this AI fascination right now? And is this like our new enslaved camp? Like we, is this our new lower rung? Like we're like, okay, you guys do this for us now because we don't want to do it. I mean, what's up with this AI stuff? Why are we so focused on getting this artificial intelligence to take over everything? Apparently they're even like, they're even like making, um, sales calls now like they have telemarketer ais that are actually my husband got has been getting calls from them they call it's an ai that's calling him and asking him to make a contribution to the to the firefighters uh fund right but it's an yeah. ai program it's not an actual human well you know the, the major cost in, in any product or service is paying a human paying a body and i i see a major thing here we have a big grocery store chain called King Supers, and all the employees went on strike last year. And it was a strike that lasted uh, maybe six weeks, and there was a lot of acrimony and uh, harassing. Or the, it started with some harassing of customers who still went in and crossed the line and things like that. But eventually, King Supers rolled and gave them the raises they wanted. And to me, it was like, well, this is a, a pyrrhic victory because you're going to raise the grocery prices. So you've already alienated the people who would want to shop here. 
because those prices will necessarily go up. And then with this inflation, uh, that big corporate structure is used as an excuse to just really beat the prices, you know, force them up. But now they're experimenting with a thing on the north side of Denver, some of the stores where on the checkout, you go lay your objects out on a table and an overhead camera looks at them and scans them and gives you your price ticket. You don't run them across a scanner. They don't need to see the barcode. They have the image recognition for that. Well, what do you think that's going to do to all these well-paid employees who are cashiers at King Supers? If you just put your stuff on a conveyor belt, the camera scans it, and it dumps it into the bag that we have to provide here now because we aren't allowed to have grocery bags given away. We have to buy bags so everybody's carrying things out in arm loads or boxes. So they aren't you know, necessarily bagging for us, and now we don't need them to run things across the scanner. So those people are going to go away. And it always comes down to what do we do to get rid of people? And sure, there's a lot of jobs where they're very onerous. It'd be highly preferable that people weren't involved in doing them. They're jobs I would never want to do. I worked in an iron foundry in high school for a couple of years, and uh, there's a lot of jobs in that foundry that I'd be happy to have, you know, Tommy the robot walk over and do it instead of a human. You know, it'd be safer and uh, uh, it's just, uh, you know, a harsh environment. So I, I think that's a fascination, but I also think a little bit, do you, do you remember Woody Allen in one of his movies had a box called the Orgasmatron? And uh, they did a very funny scene where he ended up being this goofy guy and he goes into the Orgasmatron and you see the the whole big box shaking and then he comes out, you know, and he's got like smoke coming out of his ears and his face is charred a little bit and He's obviously uh, used that uh, artificial apparatus to excess. And, uh, you know, we, we've seen that now where they talk about these robotic girlfriends that are being made around the world. You know, you know, every day they get more and more lifelike. They talk, their eyes move, they, uh, you know, and eventually they're going to articulate the bodies more and more. And sad to say, I, I see uh, a lot of guys who are socially inept or, or afraid of women, uh, you know, for whatever's in the news, that they're going to be highly attracted to uh, having, you know, the the Barbie doll in the bedroom, and uh, you know, once again, you know, replacing people with things. And uh, so I see this fascination with having computers do stuff. Um, the only fear factor I have is one of the the postulated bad outcomes for AI is if we ever have a computer somewhere that suddenly sparks consciousness and becomes self-aware. Some people have said, you know, it's somewhere between science fiction and and non-science fiction that if that computer is connected to the network, it will immediately pass on its capability to every other computer in the network. It'll rip around the planet and, you know, within a matter of minutes to hours, people will be enslaved to the computers because they control so many things, you know, industrially, they control things militarily. Would they enslave us to force us to do some things that they aren't up to speed doing? Or at that point, are we where they can create robots that uh, can go out and they can do their manual task and they fundamentally don't need people at all? So that that's one of the, the scary images of what AI can do is if it becomes self-aware and decides it doesn't need us, want us, or like us, then... Yeah, uh, I suppose bad things could happen. Yeah, and I think that's really the subject of a lot of people's concerns about AI and also just like 
the just the interim not really knowing what's real and what's an AI like what and then what that whole concept of what is real that's all going to be challenged what like what is yeah. real and what's not real what's fake what does fake mean I think that having a voice on the telephone that sounds completely like a human being my husband was like it was just the weirdest thing and the only reason I knew that it was is because it didn't know my pattern so I gave it an answer it didn't understand so then it just repeated the question and yeah. that's how I could tell it wasn't a human yeah, because those subtle nuances, but it can pick up on that. It's going to learn that. And what I heard was that actually, I mean, this is the timeline. The reason why the technology picks up to this level at the same time as we're waking up humanity, it's that like question of what's going to be preeminent, what is going to actually happen with this planet. And I picked the timeline where the human beings are the ones who reach consciousness and and then everything turns in a in a good direction, you know, for yeah. the galaxy, mm -hmm. right? That's the timeline I chose. So I know that's what I'm on. And at the same time, it's not like we can fall asleep at the wheel. I mean, we've got to be aware of like what we're creating. It's like the fascination of the, ultimately, <laughs> I think I said this on your podcast because I was like, I think this is what this is. It's almost like the personality's fascination with recreating itself. It's like, oh, this is so cool. I can recreate myself. And really what needs to happen at this point is start listening to the soul, right? Which is yeah. the other pattern. It's going the opposite direction. Instead, instead of being fascinated with yourself and recreating yourself, it's like listening to source, coming back to mm -hmm. source and listening to the wisdom of source, which is the elder energy. Mm -hmm. And so we've been fascinated with the youth, fascinated with that side of things, which I think has led to this creation. And now it's our turn to be fascinated the other direction, being mm -hmm. fascinated with the elders, the wisdom, the ancestors. The galactic beings, it's like the soul self. We need to be fascinated in that direction. Things go out a different way. Well, I think another factor that we have to take into account is fear. And um, from my point of view, I, I've studied a lot about fear. And I think that the fundamental fear that leads to every other fear in the universe is the fear that when we die, nothing continues on of our consciousness. For example, you know, we have people who get laid off at work and they come in and they, they shoot some some people, you know, coworkers or a boss. And you say, why would they do that? Well, they're responding to a, a primal fear that says, I lost my job. I've lost my income. I won't be able to feed myself or my family. I won't be able to have shelter for my family or myself. It's going to lead to me dying. And if I die, I don't know that, that anything continues on of my consciousness. Therefore, the simple act of you laying me off has threatened my very existence and the idea that I won't continue after I die. And um, I've been able to find that most people's fears go down that pathway to ultimately is that fear of death and the fear that there is no continuity after you die. There, There is no soul. There is no consciousness. Uh, there is no awareness. And uh, I think that's one of the things that really needs to be overcome in all this is uh, Helping people not to just, uh, I don't like the phrases, oh, I, I have a belief in an afterlife, or I have a belief in God, or I, I have faith in God. I'd rather have people show up and say, I know that this spiritual existence exists. I know. I, I've been there. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've, I've uh, discovered the kingdom of God within I've uh, tried Gnostic practices on guided meditations to go experience this. So it's not just I believe it exists. I know it exists. I know it exists for me. And um, I, I think there's uh, 
awful lot of need to help people in, in vast quantities get to this understanding. And it's not that I want to drag you kicking and screaming into the Catholic Church or any other church or any other religious tradition. I would like to help you go within and understand this this connection to creation, whatever that looks like for you. I, I don't care how it comes through to you. It could be a you know a big Easter bunny. It could be a, you know a marshmallow man. I, I don't care what creation looks like to you. But I'd like you to feel that you are tied into that reality and you know it exists so that you release your fears of what happens to you when your body stops functioning. Yeah. And I think that what you're speaking to is really important for us to all really consider is the level of consciousness, which is still rampant on the planet, which is fear consciousness, that is creating the AI. So in its own image. And so that is the part that is scary about AI is that it's being created from fear-based consciousness that's afraid of its existence being terminated, not from a love consciousness that knows it's part of connection to all that is. And so this is where we need to evolve our consciousness to be accessing that love consciousness, that, that universal consciousness. And from that place, we can create anything we want and it will be in service to the whole. But when we're in that lower vibrational consciousness and we create anything, we're creating it in that fear. And, uh, you know, so on this portal day, you know, this portal day that we're having with the full moon, um, recorded this on 3-7-2023, just, I'm just injecting in a dream for the planet on today that we elevate ourselves, each and every person hearing this broadcast, you know, that you choose to elevate yourself to love consciousness and that you choose to make your creations based in love and that you release the fear consciousness and all of its myriad of fractals and that you embrace this new love consciousness that hasn't, it's not actually new, it's, you know, but we're revealed to it now that we embrace that and we expand on that. And then everything we create will be in love and it'll serve everybody. So what do you think about that, <laughs> Dave the Mystic? Oh, I, I think it's wonderful. I We're dancing around another issue and that's the the people and their longevity, you know, how long do you want to live? And some people who want to beat the game and say, I'll do whatever it takes to live to be 120 or 150. Well, I'm I'm 67 now, and uh, I've been around a lot of people who've passed. Uh, you really start to understand that, you know, your younger years are, what can I do to improve myself, to learn, to to grow? And as you age and you realize, you know, I'm more in a position to uh, help others, to be in service to others. And you start realizing uh, as you get older that you have less physical capability to be out there to, to help others. And so you have a natural completion of your life that says, I've had a good time. I didn't do everything I wanted to do, but I, I gave it a good shot. And uh, I hope people remember me fondly. And uh, so there's a natural conclusion. Versus some of these people say, I'm going to hang on kicking and screaming, you know, and get as many years as I can, even to the point that, you know, if you can find a way to transfer my consciousness into an electronic box, I'd be happy with that. And I think, oh, my God, that would be torture to uh, be a sentient species locked in a in a computer talking through a screen and a camera to people outside. I, I think you'd feel like you're in a zoo as a curiosity, not as uh, a participating uh, human or consciousness. And, yeah, and it's a basic lack in, of trust in life and it's endless second chances, you know? I mean, yeah. it's a basic misunderstanding about 
the timeline too. The time is embedded inside timelessness. And so anything that's created inside time is enveloped with timelessness and therefore accessible by timelessness and therefore mm-hmm. never dies. So even if you might have a temporary existence here that you die to this timeline existence, but it can be accessed any point along the timelessness. So you're never actually dead. So like nothing ever created ever dies, actually dies because it's always accessible by timelessness. So I think if people could understand what the vastness of what they are a part of and that, you know, your, your consciousness, your beingness is already impacted so many trillions of beings probably, right. Who have witnessed your existence. Mm -hmm. And so you, you've already done it like whatever you think you haven't done. You already did it <laughs> just by being born because, you know, universe thought you were a good idea and here mm-hmm. you are and you'll, you're never erased. You know, it's not like you're erased from the computer drive. You always exist in timelessness. And that's what the Akashic records teach us that everything is in the records. So that you're not, you didn't die and you can revisit it as long as you want. You know, if you want to live an eternal loop of your like one precious moment in your life, you can, but mm-hmm. then you'd be missing out on all the other adventures you could be going on. Absolutely. So why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> so you could do whatever you want, but I'm just saying more adventures, super fun, that or something even better. Absolutely. Yeah, that's beautiful, Dave. What a great conversation. I really enjoyed this. We, we touched on some edgy areas, you know, some people might have some thoughts about certain things that we talked about today and might be like, oh, this part really got my stomach twisted or, oh, you know, because I could feel like, wow, this is a powerful conversation we had today about various various subjects. So if you have some thoughts on it, you guys, please uh, insert some comments, insert some comments in the in the YouTube, wherever you find it. If you find it on my website, wherever you find it, just put some comments, let us know what you think or email me back if you're on my list. And uh, if you want to be on my list, go to carriehummingbird.com. That's how you get on that. So Dave, what do you want to share with people? I know that you you were saying that you have a list of amazing books, actually. You were telling me before the show, because you're so well-read, you know, you're one of these um, researcher guys. I bet you're a one-line. But anyway, you, in, in terms of human design, but you love books. And so you've got a list of really awesome books, right? Yes. Um, what I'm happy to share with people over the years, I, I've built up a list of books and they're categorized and they're all books that I would uh, readily recommend to anybody to read if they're interested in a particular area. It's about five or six pages now when you print it out. And uh, if uh, listeners want to contact me and uh, get that book list, I'm happy to share it with them. If you send me an email to dbarnett, D-B-A-R-N-E-T-T, at holistic, H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C, beliefs.com so dbarnett at holisticbeliefs.com and put book list in the subject line i'm happy to reply to that and send you the book list and uh, i guarantee you'll you'll find a lot of the titles very intriguing and uh, it's so much better i think than just walking into a bookstore and saying oh my goodness there's 27 books here on x subject which one is good well i I save you uh, some of that grief when you're starting out I even do muscle testing when I go to a bookstore, and I'll muscle test on which uh, particular bookshelf I should look at, which uh, uh, out of a set of shelves, which one uh, has a book that I should look at, and then I just keep muscle testing down. And a lot of times I'll be led to a book. Sometimes uh, my muscle test, I'm supposed to buy it and read the whole thing. Other times I'm just supposed to flip through it, find a page that catches my interest and read a paragraph, and uh, that was a nugget for me. 
So I I check all these things and uh, use sort of my my own truthometer on it to uh, find uh, what's valid or helpful or supportive. But dude, these books, uh, I, I can vouch for all of them. Some of them are out of print, and if they are, just uh, go on Amazon, look for a used copy. It's not a problem. And uh, I wish you the best of luck with that. Beautiful. Well, I will definitely put a link to your email so that people can send you an email and ask for those uh, that book list. And I'm quite sure it probably has some Carrie Hummingbird books on there. So just oh, saying. Yeah, well, <laughs> probably. <laughs> 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 so while you guys are asking for Dave's list, definitely put on your list Inner Medicine. As you guys know, Inner Medicine book is coming out on Thursday, April 22nd, 2023. And uh, get your copy. You can pre-order and go to the website, carriehummingbird.com forward slash Inner Medicine to get your copy and to sign up for the Earth Day ceremony that's coming up, you guys. And if you're watching this way after, I promise you, I will have recorded it. You can get the replay. Okay, so we're going to um, give everybody kisses, Dave. Thanks, you guys, for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for coming back every week after week after week and sharing this podcast out and giving your comments and all that. Really appreciate that. Want to hear more from more of you about what you thought. And we're going to give kisses now. I'm going to give kisses, Dave. Are you up for kisses? <laughs> Here we go. We love you guys. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time on Soul Nectar Show. Bye for now. Bye. If you found even one gold nugget in this episode of Soul Nectar Show, will you do us a favor? Will you subscribe, like, and share this episode? Maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it. We really, really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together. Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show. I'm the source of who you are.